So I'm going to encourage you, be bolder. Expect more boldness. Expect to be bolder. Expect signs and wonders. Go to the next level. Pray for people. Those signs mark you as you go out. Uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, Father. Oh, Lord, we worship you, God. Just when we think we can't worship anymore, <laughs> you're so good. You're so good. We will not stop worshiping you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, you're so wonderful. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying for us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that the price was not too much. Lord Jesus, that you went to the cross and you gave it all for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are forever grateful and we give our lives to you. We give our lives to you to, to give back to you. We can never repay it, Lord, but we give everything that we have. We give it everything that we have. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us here as orphans, but you gave us the precious Holy Spirit. Where would we be without you, Holy Spirit? You are everything. You are our friend, our guide, our standby, our helper, our teacher. Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you that you would just walk up and down these aisles in, in every heart today. I thank you that you are going to put a boldness on your people today like never before. A fresh boldness to be a witness. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Well, <laughs> I, I've been to church this morning. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm so proud of every single person that's here today. I'm so proud of you guys. Because, I mean, we did it last night. We went on the, on the prayer ride. But there's nothing like getting boots on the ground. And each and every one of you going to be the witness today. Going to open your mouth. Because those that sit in prison and in darkness are going to see a great light today. And that light is going to be you and who you bring. And the great and mighty God that's on the inside of you. So I'm just going to share just a little bit. And then we're going to get to work today. <laughs> but um, I'm going to start Mark 16, 15 to 20, the Great Commission. Now these are, th this is the church's marching orders. We've heard the Great Commission before, but I want you to take it for you. Because when Jesus left, he was speaking to the disciples, but he was speaking to you. Because you're the, you're the, the disciples now. You're the church. You're his hands and feet in this earth. So Mark 16, 15 to 20. I'm just going to quickly. Uh, it says, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Everyone. Whether they take it or leave it. You preach it to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses will be condemned. And these miracles, signs, and wonders will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. So there, there, this is what marks the believer. You get out, you preach the gospel. And I want every one of you, not only today, to you're going to step out in boldness, but step out in faith that signs and wonders are going to follow the preaching of the word today. Step out in another level because we don't, we don't ever stop at one level. So a lot of you went out last time we were here, and it's your second time. So I'm going to encourage you, be bolder. Expect more boldness. Expect to be bolder. Expect signs and wonders.
go to the next level. Pray for people. Those mark, those signs mark you as you go out. What else? They speak in a new language. I'm just going to throw that in because a lot of people say tongues has passed away when the apostles died. No, it didn't. This is the sign of the believer. Speak a new language. That's yours. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of speaking in tongues. So, you know, two-thirds of God's name is, is go, and God backwards is do, because it's he's action, and we take action in him. Why is it that the church allows and sits on the sidelines and allows Jehovah's Witness and Mormons to go to doors, but they don't? They don't even have. They have counterfeit. They don't have God, but yet they go to all the doors, but the church doesn't. It is time for the church to rise up. You know, the church is not meant to be sitting in the corner, sitting in the four walls. We're meant to go out, outside the four walls. The church doesn't know who's in them, but I believe this church does. And that's why you see us taking action, because those that know who's in them goes and takes action, right? But we need to get a revelation of that. When Jesus gave the, he gave all authority to the believer. So he told them, go, right? He did everything. He did everything he was going to do. And then what did he do? He sat down. Why? Because now the authority is on you, in your hands. You are Jesus in this earth. He already finished everything he was going to do. He's not going to come and and save people. He's going to use you as his mouthpiece to go do that. So it's time for us to wake up. We cannot sleep any longer. The Holy Ghost is sounding the alarm in the land. He's sounding the alarm in your heart. We have to yield to that because time is short. So don't allow the enemy to come and shut your mouth. He would love to come and shut your mouth by fear, by what you see that's going on outside in the world. But we keep blinders to that, and we stay focused on the word of God. We stay focused on what God's called us to do. So Jesus, he said, occupy until I come. What does it mean when you occupy something? It's already taken, right? The ground is already taken. I, I always think about this, uh, the movie Forrest Gump. I don't know why. But, you know, he goes on the bus and the kids are like, seats taken. Seats taken. Move on. Move on. And, you know, that's how we are. We occupy. We're sitting in the seat. The enemy has no place and it's not his time. We are occupying this place. The Bible says in... 2 Thessalonians 2 7. The lawless one is already at work in this world, but is restrained until he who restrains is taken out of the way. Because of who you carry on the inside of you, the devil is restrained. So the devil, you know, the, the Antichrist spirit is already in this earth, it's working in the world, but he is restrained. Why? Because you are here. You and I are the restraining force that holds back and pushes back the tide of what the enemy would like to do. This is not the hour of the enemy. This is the hour of the church. It's time to rise up and be the giant slayer that God has called you to be. Just like David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would defy the armies of the living God? Today, I'm going to take your head off and feed you to the birds. And that's who you are. And that's who you carry. You carry even greater than what David had because you had the Holy Ghost. 
You are called to slay those giants. Amen. We are taking ground. So you know what takes boldness away from the believer? It's spelled R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N. That's religion. That's why you don't see the church doing their job, because they're steeped in religion. Religion takes all of the power away. It, in 2 Timothy 3.5, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So it's just doing lip service. It's just going through the motions, right? But no, God didn't design us to do that. He gave us power to, to live the Christian life. He, he wants that power alive and running and flowing through you, which I know each and every one of you are flowing in revival. Amen. I've seen it. Hallelujah. But, you know, there's nothing like the presence of God. The, uh, David says in Psalms 84, one day is in your courts is better than a thousand days. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your presence than anywhere else. There's nothing like the presence of God. And that's who you carry, and that's who we have. And that's why we go and tell. That's why we don't hold it to ourselves. Because we know what God's done for us, and we want to go give that life to others. <clears throat> Religion will not allow you to see the lost and the hurting. Just like the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 30 to 35. You know, it's about the priest and the Levite. And there was a man that was beaten up and he was left to die, just laying on the road. And the, and the priest comes out of, of church and he's like, oh, I just did. I'm, I'm so good. I, I'm so righteous before God. Yes, my works are so wonderful. Oh, oh. What is that? Oh, I'm not going to touch that. Ooh, ooh. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that. And just goes on his way. And then the, <laughs> and then the Levite comes. <clears throat> Thank God. I'm so holy. I have the Torah memorized. <laughs> and he comes along and he sees this man laying on the road. And he says, oh, I'm going to go on the other side. I can't touch that. That's unclean because I'm holy. I'm so holy. But then the Samaritan, the good Samaritan comes along, who was neither, uh, he, he was half and half, right? He wasn't even a full Jew. He's kind of like the outcast, kind of like the, the put off, you know, not really thought of much in society. But he sees the man laying there, and he goes, and he picks him up, and he pours in the oil and the wine. And he takes him, and he, and he pays for him to stay and to, to, be, to be healed. And, you know, that is... That is the type and shadow of, of what God wants us to be, the good Samaritan. And he poured in the oil and the wine. And that's what you carry. It, it's symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, oil is symbol of the Holy Spirit. And wine is like the new wine that was poured out in, in Acts chapter 2. You carry all that on the inside of you. And that's what will cause you to see the hurting and the lost and the broken. And you will go in pour in the oil and wine, and that person will be restored. And that's what we're called to do with the ministry of reconciliation. Each one of you is a minister. You have something that you can't hold back. You can't keep it to yourself. you got to pour it out and pour it out. Just like my husband was talking last night, you pour, and it, you pour, and then you get filled, and you keep pouring. And that's how this fire stays lit, and this fire keeps going. Amen. So through this relationship, we have, we have um, 
the boldness through that relationship through Jesus and that fire that burns. So just like when Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus, you know, it was after he, he died and he rose and the disciples were like, where's Jesus? He's gone. Well, you know, we thought we heard he was going to raise from the dead, but I don't know what's happening. And then Jesus comes and, and all of a sudden he's walking on the road with them. And he starts to speak to them and, and minister to them. And when he left, they said, their eyes were open, and they're like, oh, it was Jesus. And then they're like, was, was not our hearts burning on the inside of us while he was talking? See, when he was talking, he wasn't just, religion's just empty words, but when it's the fire of God, and when you speak, after you leave, those words will burn in those people that you speak to, because it's by the Holy Ghost. So that, those, those words will be lit. You know what? You might go to somebody and think, they didn't, even, they didn't even give me the time of day. But you don't know that when they lay their head on bed at night, they say, the Holy Ghost starts to deal with them. It starts to bring up the words that you said. And say, that person talked about, where will I go when I die? You know, they'll start to think about it. Because it's the work of the Holy Ghost. We're not going out there today to condemn anybody. Right? We're going sharing the love of God. We can't condemn anybody. The Bible says that's the work of the Holy Ghost. So as you go and open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will do that work in that person's heart. And he will burn those words on the inside of them. And then the last thing I just want to share is don't say... I'm not where I need to be to reach out to somebody. Don't say, maybe God will use me later on in life when I get myself fixed up a little more. Because that's what stops a lot of people. Because they think, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a failure in this area and I don't have this right yet. But let me just tell you, the, the Bible says, don't say it is still four months until the harvest. But I tell you, look up, lift up your eyes, because the fields are white unto harvest. There are multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision, waiting for somebody to tell them. And you are going to sit here on the side and say, I can't go yet. I'm not ready. No. God, what did Jesus do? He's, he looked and he saw there was such a need and, and the next thing you know it, he's throwing his disciples out and telling them to go two by two into the cities. Those disciples weren't, they, they didn't even, well, they weren't even saved yet, actually, because Jesus hadn't died yet. But they went out in his authority. And so you can't say tomorrow, tomorrow, when I'm better, when I've fixed myself more, when I, you know, I've gone to a higher place in God. No, God will use you right now. And then he will start to take those things in your life and change them. When you look, they won't be there anymore. Amen. But you have to step out in faith and, and give what you have now. Because God is a God of multiplication. So when you give what you have now, he multiplies what you have. You say, how, how, how do I get more anointing? How do I get more? Be obedient with what you have now. And he will multiply it. You'll have more anointing. The things in your life that you're believing for will fall off or be taken care of, whatever that is. So it's the same anointing that was on Jesus when he, <clears throat> excuse me, when, when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. There's that same, <clears throat> the same power. Yeah. 
So as a big power at work on the inside of you, big power at work through you. Amen. Amen. So we don't get caught up also in the cares of this life, and I want to just share on that a minute. Because really, I mean, this room could be full today. <laughs> but it's so easy to get caught up with what is bombarding us daily on a daily basis, right? It's so easy to get caught up in the cares of life. But we have to keep our eyes set on him and on eternity, because that's when you're going to be truly blessed. Because honestly, I mean, people are the precious fruit of this earth. People are the most precious thing. Think about everything, even the clothes that you came today with. You're not taking that to eternity. You're not taking your house. You're not taking your cars. You're not taking in anything. But you will take people. And every single person that you minister to will go before you and will be in heaven. And it will be on your account either the ones that you prayed for or the ministers that you got behind, those will be on your account, and you will have something to, a crown to lay before Jesus. And we all want something to worship Jesus with when we get to eternity, right? So it is about eternal things, and that is souls. Nothing that we have, nothing that you could do today is more important than what we're about to go do. This is the true, the true riches. So then I want to encourage everybody in this room to set a soul goal. So we're going to go out today, and I want you to even think between now and by the time that we leave, what is your soul goal? Because you can use faith for a lot of things in your life. You can also use faith for people. You can set your faith and say, I want to win this many people to the Lord. Or last week I led that many, so I want to up it by at least one. So set a soul goal, something that you're reaching for. And you can do this with your whole life. You can say, well, this year, I mean, I saw people, and you set soul goals for like 1,000 people in a year, and they reached it. I mean, what, so what, where, where do you want to be? What's your soul goal? So um, just between you and the Lord, just decide what it's going to be. And go for it. So, and then I, I, I want my husband, you have any testimonies or anything you want to share? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to move this along because I know we, we're going to get out in the streets. Well, I mean, everybody was here last night. You know, I told the story just yesterday <clears throat> about how I, I stopped at the uh, gas station to get gas on the way over. And, and that guy came up to me and, and I led him to the Lord. But... You know, this is something, you know, your pastor, <clears throat> excuse me, he asked me to just talk about revival last night. And, you know, revival is about a heart change, right? So it's a change of heart. And it's not something that you do in yourself. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. It's what God does through you. It's the Word and the Spirit coming alive on the inside. And God begins to change your heart. And, and how do you know when you're in revival? Because you'll begin to see people the way that He sees people. Because your eyes will be opened and the love of God will be flowing through you. And you'll, you'll begin everywhere you go. <clears throat> you know, I'll just say me personally and, and my wife too. It's like we're not really like a Disney type of person or anything like that. And it actually kind of irritates me. No offense for all the Disney fanatics in here. But it's just like, what's that? No. It, it, yeah, no, but it actually like I... 
because I just see people. Because that's the work God's done in me. Because I just see, oh my gosh, are all these people saved? Look at all these people. Do they know Jesus? If something were to happen today, would all these people go to hell? You know, And I'm not saying they will. I don't know. But that's just like where our heart is. Everywhere we go, we, we just see the lost because it's something we've allowed the Lord to do in us. It's, it's His heart that He's dropped in us. And that's what true revival is. So, you know, the last time I was here, I shared a testimony about how we were out just, you know, we were out having fun on a jet ski and, and, and we, there was people drowning. And we could have just, like the, like the Levite or the, or the priest, we could have just passed right by those people because my wife and I were out. We had the day off and we were going to go have an awesome day together and we were minding our own business and we see the people out there waving for help and there was other boats that were passing by and everything, but we pulled over and stopped and long story short, we, we pulled them over one by one, took them on our wave runner back to shore and then we ended up leading all of them to the Lord that day and I could have just easily said, okay guys, have a have a good day, you know, and you know, we're glad we saved your lives or whatever. But no, like we saved their lives in the natural. But what what good is it? Even if you go out, let's just say this: even if you go out and you pray for somebody to get a miracle, what good is it if they get a miracle and go to hell with a good heart? That's why we don't just go out and just. You know, like your pastor said, we're going to go give words of knowledge. We're going we're gonna to prophesy. We're going to lay hands on the sick and see when them recover. But the Bible says that signs follow the preaching of the word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible says that the Lord was working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So because if you just go out and do this and lay hands on people and they, they, get, a, they, they get a healing, they get a good knee, they, get, they receive their sight, but still go to hell, what was the point? So the gospel is the power of God until salvation. That's why we always say stick to the script. The script is written a certain way for, so that the gospel penetrates their heart, goes forward, just like she was talking about, like you... you um, was our heart not burning within us? That's what happens when you begin to preach and share the gospel. People's hearts begin to change. People's hearts begin to burn because it's not your words. It's his eternal word. And it's quick and it's powerful and it's alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces their hearts. The word of God. So you are carriers of what is the gospel. It's good news. There is so much bad. Your pastor was talking about it last night. All we have is bad news. All the world has is bad news. It's gloom, doom, fear, and destruction. But you are a carrier of the greatest news the world has ever known. You have good news to share with somebody today. And people are out there in these streets. They need good news. They need hope. They need love. They need somebody full of life. They need somebody with a smile. They don't need religion or tradition. They, don't, they have enough of that. They are in bondage. They need somebody to come with the anointing that you carry because it's the anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. So God wants to use your mouth your hands and your feet. You don't have to be in some perfect spiritual place. Get your eyes off of yourself today 
and say, Lord, despite what's going on in my life, I'm asking you to use my mouth, use my hands, use my feet today as your mouth, your hands, and your feet. And then go and step into it by faith. And don't allow fear to hold you back. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. Everybody say, rah! Rah! All right. Come on, somebody. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, a spirit. Get this, because there is a spirit of fear. Fear is a demonic spirit. And this whole thing with COVID-19 and all this garbage, it's a lie from the devil. It's a spirit of fear that they've released on the earth to try to keep people down, to keep people back, to keep people in bondage because fear has to do with torment. And people are tormented because of spirit of fear. But you carry a different spirit. You carry the spirit of the living God, the spirit of power, the spirit of love and a sound mind. And when you go and you release that life-giving spirit that you are carrying on the inside, you bring life, you bring peace, you bring joy. You bring strength. You bring power wherever you go and wherever your feet tread today. The Lord is going to give it to you. Bold, bold, bold. The, the people said that, that they, when, when, they, uh, when they saw Peter and John, they were amazed at their boldness and they knew they were unlearned and they weren't of eloquent speech and they they didn't have a degree and they weren't theologians and they weren't trained in 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 the in the Torah no but but they knew they had been with Jesus so today when you go out and you begin to preach and you begin to just allow God to flow through you don't hold back step into it by faith no matter even if your knees are having fellowship with one another Just step into it. Don't hold back. Be bold. Be radical because you do not go alone. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Wherever you go, he goes. He's just waiting for an opportunity to move. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. Got you, and you got me too. What's up with the family? Got your heart.